the way, how often do you eat out? I'm broadcasting from downtown Winnipeg, and throughout the pandemic and its aftermath, I've been at work in person and spending at restaurants. But we know one of the byproducts of the pandemic is a lot of people stayed home and a lot of people are still at home, either working in a hybrid model or their new permanent home life is also work life. So spending is down in restaurants. We've seen restaurants come and go over the years, but it's been particularly tough. And a new report from Restaurants Canada says the rising expenses, low customer counts, high debt, low profitability, well, it's the perfect storm, isn't it? Mark von Schellwitz joins us this Thursday evening from Restaurants Canada. Thanks so very much for joining us this evening. I hope you're well, and I hope you've been eating out of late. Well, thanks, Richard. Actually, uh, just now, I just uh, had a, a little bit of a, a takeout from a really uh, cool little uh, pizza joint nearby. So uh, I'm certainly supporting the industry anytime I can. You know, and, and of course you would, and I think a lot more people would. But I'm describing this, I guess, as the perfect storm. And I gather that's what you're trying to weather right now. Well, no question about it, Richard. I mean, you know, customers are actually bad, but profitability is not. And the industry is just, um, you know, got this post-hang, uh, you know, post-pandemic hangover, I guess, is what I would call it, uh, where, you know, we had a really tough couple of years where 85% of our members went into additional debt. And now that they're coming out of it, and even though customers are coming back, uh, we have a, a number of big hurdles that we have to overcome to uh, to fully recover. I mean, you've got uh, labor cost increases, food cost increases. Uh, with that debt that was incurred, you've got rising interest rates and fears of a recession. So there's uh, a really tough time for restaurateurs. And even though we've got some of our our pre-pandemic guests back, we, uh, we're still in a situation where half of our members are not making any money at all. Uh, the other half is sort of making about 2 to 3% profit. And, and what's really hurting their ability to recover is the labor shortage, where we have about 80% of our members saying that, uh, you know, they have got to curtail their operating hours because they just don't have enough staff. They've got the seats, they've got the demand, but they don't have the staff to service them. So it is a bit of a perfect storm, as you say, Richard, as far as where we're at right now. And it's going to take a lot of uh, time and and support from the public to get us through these latest post-pandemic challenges. Well, let's start there with the labour shortage and how you begin to deal with that, simply because uh, I think there's a certain tolerance that if we have to wait a little bit longer, we understand. But the more we get away from, you know, the the core or the epicenter of the pandemic, at times I find the less patience that we have. So at the heart of the labor shortage, and it's not just in restaurants, it's everywhere where people are looking for employees. Um, is Is there a problem with the model in the sense that you are competing with other industries for young workers? Are they going somewhere else? Or has the pandemic shown them that they don't necessarily want to work as hard as they used to or as in many jobs as they used to? Because the restaurant industry is really supported by a whole lot of part-time labor that I think during the pandemic, uh, a lot of people stayed home and a lot of people got used to staying home. 
and reevaluating their life and saying, you know what, maybe I don't want to go to school and work 20 hours a week to supplement that. Um, what's your thesis here? And, and, and do we have any facts in this report to kind of drill down on what really is going on when it comes to labor force issues? Yeah, certainly, Richard. It's a pretty complicated situation. I mean, even before the pandemic, we had those demographic labor shortages. We just don't have as many young people entering the workforce. I mean, even a decade ago, we had about 100,000 people entering the workforce that are no longer entering the workforce. Then you combine that with the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders and a lot of our staff not getting the, because of the closures and the various restrictions, not getting their hours. And of course, that, you know, we had a a big, big decrease in employment, especially for the first half of the pandemic, and that's slowly coming back. But, uh, uh, you know, clearly we've got to do more to get those people back because they're critical in the service industry that we're in to, to have those people and to be able for the operators to be able to open at full capacity, which they're not able to do right now. And the other side effect of that, of course, too, is that, uh, you know, 72 percent of our members think that the owners and the managers are just working incredible overtime and they're worried about bird out there. Uh, and we're doing everything we can to attract back these these you know employees that we had before. Uh, you know, 77% of our members are raising wages in order to attract them back, benefits, uh, and also reminding people what a fun industry it is. I mean, if you're social or if you're a foodie and you like food, this is a great industry for you. And also, you know, promoting the flexibility in the industry that, to your point earlier, you know, whether you want to work 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week, uh, there's there's a career choice for you there. And, of course, you've got gratuities on top of that. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of benefits to working in the industry. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep working at, at, at getting those people back. We're also working really hard with the federal government in order to clear those immigration backlogs and to make it a little bit easier to get some, some foreign workers to help us out a little bit. Because to, to your point, I mean, this labor shortage is not just impacting us, although we are the sector of the economy that has the worst uh, you know, labor shortage situation. We've got 171,000 uh, job vacancies in the country. That's three times what it was before the pandemic. And it's much greater than retail, which is the second biggest uh, you know, labor shortage crunch uh, industry. So, so you know, we we certainly got our challenges, and then you combine the labor shortages with all the cost increases and the debt and and all the other challenges that we have, and you know, we still don't have, especially in downtown restaurants, we still don't have uh, a lot of traffic there because there's still a lot of people working from home, not working downtown anymore. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's a really uh, a difficult situation, and you know, what I call it is the the uh, uh, the post-pandemic hangover that of all these other issues that are just piling on, making it very difficult for the industry to fully recover and return to profitability. We certainly see that in downtown Winnipeg, where I'm broadcasting from, as far as the number of people not here and fewer restaurants. Many have closed uh, in my immediate area here as well, not just temporarily, but permanently. Um, on the immigration front, Uh, because you have to end up lobbying both provincial and federal governments. How close are you in being able to bring more people specifically over to fill some of those, uh, those job vacancies? Well, as you know, Richard, uh, you know, the federal government has made a commitment. They're allocating more resources to get rid of some of those pandemic backlogs that built up of immigration requests. And and we've also had a lot of great discussions about how to simplify the process. You know, you've got these LMIAs and all sorts of hoops that uh, 
uh, restaurateurs and other small businesses have to uh, uh, to jump through in order to access that labor. And where we've had that labor in the past, you know, there's this this misnomer that somehow, oh yeah, they come here, they work for a while, and they go back to their countries. Well, in a lot of those cases, uh, you know, those people that started with us are still there now. We've got immigrant success stories. There's a a franchisee of a, of a major chain in Calgary who just came here as a as a dishwasher and a line cook, and now he's managing a couple of restaurants and part owner of one of them. So there's a lot of great immigration success stories, and we are a very multi ethnic industry, and we've got oh, absolutely. My 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 question is more along the lines. My question is more along the lines of 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 getting that red tape cut and streamlined uh, to get this happening sooner rather than later. Because um, when I talk to people across the country, there's a certain frustration with both the federal and provincial levels of government to get this done a whole lot quicker. Mark Von Schelwitz is with us from Restaurants Canada. And I wonder, Mark, whether or not we are seeing permanency to this, that very much like the retail gasoline industry where there are fewer outlets that we're going to see fewer restaurants from both the brand name chains and from the mom and pop operations, that this is something a lot more permanent, whether we like it or not, that there's just going to be fewer restaurants, not just in this country, but generally given the way we work now, on a more permanent basis. Uh, interesting point. And certainly where we're at right now is, you know, a lot of those people that took on all that debt during the pandemic to keep their doors open are now finding it really difficult to to keep those doors open with these other challenges that we were talking about before with labor and inflation and debt servicing costs and, and those types of things. And we've also seen, Richard, a, a big change as far as uh, how customers want their food. I mean, uh, through the pandemic, takeout and delivery exploded. And we're still seeing a, a pretty solid growth in that takeout and delivery market, which uh, uh, certainly is a big adjustment for the industry. So not only may you have fewer restaurants, but I'll, I think some of the restaurants that uh, are there now that were totally catering to in-room dining are now uh, more and more of their revenues coming from that takeout and delivery. So, uh, and of course, you've got the whole trend with ghost kitchens and people that are actually just uh, opening up kitchens strictly for that takeout and delivery market. So, so there's no question as a result of the pandemic that the industry's changed forever. And in that way, we sometimes have to look at this, this issue and so many other issues within a different context. And sometimes we try to hang on to the past knowing that the past is the past and we have to deal deal with the here and now. And I, that's where I agree with you on the immigration issue and the labor issue. Something has to be done in that way. Um, but when you talk to the, the people that you have to answer to, is there that realization or are they telling you, Mark, you go in there and you fight and you keep fighting because we want to go back to that same model? Uh, no question. There's a lot of people in the industry that, you know, want the return of the good old days where they're offering the restaurants, but that does have to uh, uh, change. I mean, you've you've got uh, a situation where, you know, uh, uh, the 
dynamics around you are changing and you have to uh, change with the times. And, you know, historically, we've always been a very innovative, resilient industry. And I thought we showed a lot of resiliency through the pandemic as well. Obviously, a lot of concern. Uh, and even now, you know, what uh, our members are doing to adjust their menus, to try to ensure that all those inflationary food costs, which are skyrocketing and natural gas costs that have gone up, uh, they're not passing all that on to their customers. Where their prices may be going up 15%, they're, I think we're predicting about 7.8% menu inflation this year. So uh, so they're doing whatever they can to, to survive. And I think they've been a, a very innovative and, and resilient group. And uh, hopefully that will continue in the future. But there's no question that uh, a lot of our members are, are going to have to make some changes to their business to find a model that works for them. Does it get worse before it gets better in your view? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, a lot of that depends on the customers. I mean, if we still have the customers and if we can get the labor back, you know, we're going to find a way to, to survive and, and thrive and reset it and get forward. If if that doesn't happen and, uh, you know, if there's some sort of things, yeah, it, it's it, those, those tough times are going to continue. And uh, I think, you know, the next year is going to be critical as all these debts that they incurred are having to be repaid and higher interest environment. And and then, of course, the other big looming thing in the back of our members' minds is with all these increases in interest rates, what's going to be the impact on the economy? Uh, you know, in a recession, we're usually the first ones to, to, to get hammered because we're that discretionary spend. Uh, so there's a lot of concerns there as well. But, uh, you know, the industry has survived through the pandemic, and uh, I'm sure, you know, we'll survive this as well. Mark, really appreciate the time. Thanks so very much for joining us and doing what you do day in, day out. And like I said, a toast to you next time I I eat out, which will likely be within the next 24 hours. (laughs) Great, Richard. Thank you.